0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to a brand new feature for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church. Uh, We have a new online video and podcast, 15-Minute Devotional. Now, this program was developed and it encourages viewers and listeners to get into God's Word and stay in it with consistency as you learn and grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My name is Melvin Gaines. Thanks for joining me today. Now, in this program, what we're going to be doing is covering the daily reading for Wednesday, April the 19th. And we'll have subsequent programs that feature readings for that particular day as well, too. Now, our church uh, promotes the two-year Bible plan, uh, which allows for the reader to cover the entire Bible over a two-year period. It's a very successful way to go through the Bible. Uh, now, in this particular devotional, for the sake of continuity, we're going to read the passages for today and then make some verbal notes about the content as we go. Um, when you use the two-year Bible plan, it normally will cover about a seven to ten minute period of time reading the Bible, followed by another five to eight minutes of time for reflection of the readings and then closing prayer. That is how I recommend that you do your reading. You do the readings and then... Reflect upon what you've read. You've got a Bible in front of you. You can go back over those passages and and spend some time in prayer with the Lord for greater understanding. And just for flow purposes, we're just going to go through it as we can here. And we encourage, though, all participants to follow this pattern as they develop the best habits for reading, studying, and meditating on God's Word. Pardon me. Of course, you can read more than 10 minutes uh, of Bible time if you desire to. But for those who have time constraints, our 15-minute devotional time helps establish good habits every day. So let's get started. Amen? Let's start with the reading for today. We're going to start in the book of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 14. Let's go to that now. Leviticus 14. And we're going to cover verses 33 through 57. Leviticus 14, verses 33 through 57. And just so you know, too, as I go through this study, um, I'm going to dedicate myself to just reading it cold and going through the information as I see it. And I welcome anyone to write in with comments. If you think that my assessment is good, bad, indifferent. different, uh, we are not beyond correction here. We're going with what we have, and the Spirit is uh, leading, hopefully, as you read, as, long as, as well as my reading. So let's go ahead and get started. Leviticus 14, starting with verse 33 through 57. It's a, it's a little bit longer passage, as most of them are in the Old Testament. But here we go. Verse 33. And this is the caption under the Bible. It says, The laws for cleansing houses. Verse 33. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When you arrive in Canaan, the land I am giving you as your own possession, I may contaminate some of the houses. In your land with mildew, I may contaminate. (laughs) That's what the Lord is saying. Verse 35. The owner of such a house must then go to the priest and say, It appears that my house has some kind of mildew. Before the priest goes in to inspect the house, he must have the house emptied, so nothing inside will be pronounced ceremonially unclean. Then the priest will go in and examine the mildew on the walls. And if if he finds greenish or reddish streaks and the contamination appears to go deeper than the wall's surface, the priest will step outside the door and put the house in quarantine for seven days. Verse 39, on the seventh day, the priest must return for another inspection. If he finds that the mildew on the walls of the house has spread, the priest must order that the stones from those areas be removed. The contaminated material will then be taken Outside to the town outside the town to an area designated as ceremonially unclean. Verse forty one. Next the inside walls of the entire house must be scraped thoroughly, and scrapings dumped in the unclean place outside the town. Other stones will be brought in to replace the ones that were removed, and the walls will be replastered. Sounds a lot like what would happen here today, doesn't it? Verse forty three But if the mildew reappears after all the stones have been replaced, and the house has been scraped and replastered, the priest must return and inspect the house again. If he finds that the mildew has spread, the walls are clearly contaminated with a serious mildew, and the house is defiled. It must be torn down, and all its stones, timbers, and plaster must be carried out of town, so to the place designated as ceremonially unclean. Those who enter the house during the period of quarantine will be ceremonially unclean until evening. Verse 47, And all who sleep or eat in the house must wash their clothing. But if the priest returns for his inspection and finds that the mildew has not reappeared in the house after the fresh plastering, he will pronounce it clean because the mildew is clearly gone. To purify the house, the priest must take two birds, a stick of cedar, some scarlet yarn, and a hyssop branch. He will slaughter one of the birds over a clay pot filled with fresh water. He will take the cedar stick, the hyssop branch, the scarlet yarn and the live bird and dip them into the blood of the slaughtered bird and into the fresh water. Then he will sprinkle the house seven times. When the priest has purified the house in exactly this way, he will release the live bird in the open fields outside the town Through this process, the priest will purify the house and it will be ceremonially clean. These are the instructions for dealing with serious skin diseases, including scabby sores and mildew, whether on clothing or in a house, and a swelling on the skin, a rash or discolored skin. This procedure will determine whether a person or object is ceremonially clean or unclean these are the instructions regarding skin diseases and mildew. Now, what's really striking here in this passage, and I'll make a quick comment on this because there's a lot here, but understand something. What is God establishing here? He's establishing a procedure. And it's interesting that he even will make the statement here. He made the statement that he would be the one that might contaminate the houses with mildew. So a lot of this is a challenge for the people to make sure that, A, they're being obedient to the Lord, and B, recognizing that he does care about how people present themselves to him. The biggest issue in this particular section here is about whether or not you're coming to him in a manner that's clean, ceremonially clean, or ceremonially unclean. And he's establishing a procedure for what to do with mildew. Now mildew is a big deal because you know as well as I do, mildew today is very dangerous if it's unchecked. When you have a lot of moisture in the area and, and of course where the Israelites were traveling through throughout the, uh, the wilderness, there was certainly moisture concerns. There were things that would be happening like that and they used to plaster their walls the way we would plaster our walls. We use drywall today more than anything else. But what happens if drywall gets contaminated with mildew? You've got to put bleach on it. You've got to clean it. You've, and they didn't have all of those tools that uh, we have today uh, back at that time. so But there was a remedy. You'd have to go and scrape it out. You'd have to remove it. And so the idea here was that you. it was dangerous. You could have disease spread if it wasn't checked. It was uh, something that made the house that you lived in unclean. All the household residents who were in there, they had to wash their clothes They had to present themselves before the Lord in such a manner that was appropriate and proper. The Lord is establishing this through his commands to the people through Moses and Aaron. So I want you to see that. Um, And, of course, this applies not just to the aspect of removing the mildew. It was also an application for serious skin diseases, scabby sores, um, a swelling on the skin, any skin diseases, whatever it is. The Lord is establishing a procedure to make sure that if you have something like this happen to you, you know what the proper method of resolution is. And the priest had to intervene uh, on behalf of you, the individual, and make sure that everything was okay, to make sure that you could present yourself in a proper way uh, before the Lord. Okay, and let's go now to Mark chapter 6. That's the next passage we're going to look at. Mark chapter 6. I don't think I mentioned earlier what passages we'd be looking at. I'll try to make sure I do that next time. But we are going to be covering, like I said, Leviticus 14, 33 through 57, Mark chapter 6, verses 45 through 56. And then we're also going to read uh, a section from the Psalms, Psalms 40, uh, verses 11 through 13, and Proverbs 13 verses 12 through 14. So my apologies for forgetting to do that. but That was an important element of it. So we're only covering the reading for today, and that's what we're going to be covering. Let's go to Mark chapter 6, verse 45. This is the passage where Jesus walks on the water. New Testament passage. Verse 45. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida. Now, when he says after this, this is right after the feeding of the 5,000 plus women and children. Um, So that's important for us to see here, too. His disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida while he sent the people home. Verse 46, after telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake and Jesus was alone on land. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. He intended to go past them. But when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. They were all terrified when they saw him, but Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Then he climbed into the boat, and the wind stopped. They were totally amazed, for they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. Their hearts were too hard to take it in. Remember that. Now, verse 53, Mark chapter 6. After they had crossed the lake, they landed at Gennesaret. They brought the boat to shore and climbed out. The people recognized Jesus at once, and they ran throughout the whole area, carrying sick people on mats to wherever they heard he was. Wherever he went, in villages, cities, or the countryside, they brought the sick out to the marketplaces. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe, and all who touched him were healed. The thing that struck me about this passage, remember the disciples were still in training. They were still learning about who this man Jesus was. They they obviously did not process what had just happened uh, right the, at, at the time before this event when the 5,000 men and their families were fed. And we have reason to believe that uh, it was darn near 10,000 people uh, just based upon the sheer numbers, women and children, along with the men. And remember, that started with five loaves of bread and two fish. And yet Jesus performed the miracle, and the disciples still didn't quite understand what was happening. Their hearts, verse 52, they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. It was a miracle. Their hearts were too hard to take it in. The disciples weren't training everybody. They're just regular guys like you and me. They've never seen anything like this before. They've never comprehended something like this before. They certainly had never seen a man walk on water before. Uh, So all of these things taking place, they were getting a lot of information very quickly. And you kind of feel for them a little bit because it's like, it's so much here. I don't quite understand what I'm seeing. I don't quite understand what's going on. And yet, I think that the Lord deliberately... Kept them from having the complete reasoning and understanding. He wanted them to see everything, but it would come to light later when the Spirit returned, when the Spirit finally came. Excuse me, after Jesus had risen from the dead, and the he, the Spirit was uh, uh, given to all of them to have greater understanding of all the things taking place here, including these events right now. So let's keep that in mind as we look at that. We want to want to cut them a little bit of slack here. Uh, This was part of the training process for the disciples. Let's take a look at Psalm 40. Psalm 40, verses 11 through 13. Psalm 40, verse 11. This is one of David's psalms. So let's take a look at it. Verse 11. Lord, don't hold back your tender mercies from me. Let your unfailing love and faithfulness Always protect me. For troubles surround me. Too many to count. My sins pile up so high I can't see my way out. They outnumber the hairs on my head. I have lost all courage. Please, Lord, rescue me. Come quickly, Lord, and help me. Now, we know the story of David uh, to a degree. If you've read uh, the full account of David in 1st, 2nd Samuel, we, we, we know that uh, David was indeed, according to the God, a man after God's own heart. And David had a very special relationship with the Lord, even though he did sin and had great sin in his life. And I think he's acknowledging that in verse 12. My sins pile up so high I can't see my way out. And sometimes it's like that. That's what sin will do. Sin will separate you from your having a healthy relationship with the Lord. And it's all about repentance and returning to Him. And I think David's Psalms were humble Psalms, where he truly was repentant, you know, repenting of his uh, sin. But he also knew that he was in big trouble because there were people chasing him, people were coming after him. May we always rely upon the Lord for our protection, no matter where we're at and what we're doing. And we need to recognize that when we come to the Lord asking Him for. Uh, a blessing for help, for his grace and mercy. Uh, He does extend that to us. We need to have humble hearts as we go to him. Humble hearts and open hands, uh, wanting to be of service to him, do the work that he would call us to do. Last passage for us here today, Proverbs 13, verses 12 through 14. Proverbs 13, verses 12 through 14. Verse 12, Proverbs 13. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. People who despise advice are asking for trouble. Those who respect a command will succeed. The instruction of the wise is like a life-giving fountain. Those who accept it avoid the snares of death. Now, what comes to mind here, and you can have your own interpretation, please. Everything that we talk about here, we're just kind of running cold as we go through these passages. And because that's real life, that's what you'll be doing when you're reading the Bible on your own. You're going to be looking at these things and probably doing some more digging and looking at some cross-references and whatnot. But at the end of the day, the one passage that stuck out here is the one, verse 13 in Proverbs 13. People who despise advice are asking for trouble. Those who respect the command will succeed. Now, one of the m- m- very important aspects of uh, fellowship within the body of Christ, sometimes there's counseling that takes place. Sometimes people need help with certain issues or things. And the one thing that we always try to do when we're providing counseling is we're providing biblical counseling, of course. We want to make sure that whatever we counsel follows what the Word says, follows what God would have us to uh, do and, and use that intent in the, in the counsel. But people who don't want to take counsel, people who would rather dismiss good advice, it's a dangerous thing to do. And you have to understand that um, if you're a know-it-all, and if no one can tell you anything, then good luck to you. (laughs) That's the way to respond to that, because at the end of the day, um, you're following your own advice when someone's giving you good, sound counsel. And you need to listen to people who may have more experience than you in certain areas and make sure that you're taking advice that's going to be helpful. If you you People who despise advice are asking for trouble. and But those who respect a command or who listen will succeed because, understand something, God's word gives us commands all the time that we need to follow because they're good for us. And so I think that that's the takeaway when we have a conversation about Um, advice. Following the instruction of the wise is like a life-giving fountain. Amen. So that is our reading for today for April the 19th. Uh, I hope you join us again for a future broadcast and and get into another reading of the Bible uh, as we follow our two-year plan uh, at Akron Alliance Fellowship. Let's close out in prayer. Father, thank you again for this time to just sit quietly and hear you speak to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Your word is truth and we want to listen to what you have to say to us. Your word has application even for today. The communication with the Israelites about how to deal with mildew. Something as simple as that. Of course, it was very dangerous and it needed to be dealt with. And it's sound advice for us to make sure that we heed what is being said to make sure that we too can be clean before you, Lord. We thank you again for giving us this teaching and understanding. Thank you for the lessons that Jesus taught. Many people learned differently, but many people learned about who he was because of your many miracles. And Lord, teach us and continue to have us understand that you indeed are the living Savior, the God who rose from the dead. And Lord, you took care of our eternity because of what you did for us. You showed how much you loved us. Thank you for that teaching as well, too. Lord, we thank you for the example of David and how he humbly went before the Lord and how he trusted upon you to protect him and keep him. And Lord, he shared with you how afraid he was. But Lord, we thank you that you rise above all fears that we may have. We're to cast our cares upon you. And we thank you for that reminder, too. And Lord, may we always take the best advice that we have and follow it and not dismiss it. I thank you, Lord, for your wisdom. You impart wisdom to us in many different ways and sometimes it's through the words of the mouth of others. Thank you for speaking to us in your word and even through other people as well. We give you praise and thanks and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much, everybody, for joining me for this 15-minute devotional. We appreciate you being here. We look forward to seeing you next time. In the meantime, for additional content, stay with us on the Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page and akronalliance.org. Take care of yourselves. Blessings to you. We'll see you next time.